I'm on a mission to remove the chaos from managing products and from product management. I've worked with consultants of all kinds and clients of all kinds to help them define what is and is not product management. And I'm passionate about that. That's my guest, Steve Johnson. I'm sure you know of him already. And if not, you will after this episode. He's one of the OG product management thought leaders, especially in the software world. A longtime trainer for pragmatic marketing, following a career as a product manager, product marketing manager, and product leader, he's now running Product Growth Leaders. In this episode, which is episode 158 of The Secrets of Product Management, you'll hear the story of how Steve learned what product management is and how it interfaces with other roles in the organization, especially sales and marketing. He'll share the origins of his statement that Agile has to some degree broken product management and what he means by that. And we'll talk about the different challenge that is leading product managers and why so many companies struggle with that. I started by asking Steve about his origin story in product management because, you see, he started his PM career in sales. Steve, welcome to the podcast. I'm really thrilled you're here. Someone asked me the other day about whether sales was a good preparation for product management and if people made that transition. And I realized you did. So very timely for me, I have a few questions about this. And I think the way to start here is to talk about how you got into product management because you started in sales, right? I did. Actually, if you go further back, my first job out of college, I was a programmer at uh, General Dynamics in Fort Worth, Texas. And my boss did the kindest thing that's ever happened in my career. He recommended me to another company. He didn't fire me. And I'm like, dude, I'll work harder. But he said, no, I think you're really suited to be a sales engineer. And I'm like, I've never even heard of that. In, in college, they seem to have no idea of how regular businesses really work. I went off and interviewed for the sales engineering job, found this a really good combination of sales and technical. It's a good fit for me. And a few years later, I moved into sales. And I was selling a product that I had used as a developer. And suddenly I'm like the number one sales guy for this product. And my boss said, dude, I don't know what you're doing, but could you train the other guys in what you're doing? And I had put together a, like a playbook, if you mm -hmm. will, of how to sell this thing. And so I trained the Virginia office and soon the Virginia office was out selling all the other offices and the VP of sales called me and said, dude, I don't know what you did to Virginia, but could you do it to the rest of the country? And so I went off and did a road show and I went to Chicago and had their crazy wagon wheel pizzas. And I went down to Texas and had beef barbecue, even though pork barbecue from North Carolina is the true answer and went to Denver. And I'm sure I had some Denver food. I can't think of what it was. Ended up in Los Angeles and I was doing this training and the VP of marketing came in and said, who are you and what are you doing? And I said, I'm just a sales guy from Virginia out here doing sales training. And he said, see, that's not your job. That's the product manager's job. And I said, why isn't he doing it? And he said, that's a very good question. So he hired me as a product manager, what we would now call a product marketing manager. And I instantly got into sales enablement. How do you empower the sales team to sell more of what we've already built? Mm -hmm. uh, and yet I started getting pulled into more of the technical bits as well, right? And I was honestly quite worried about it because I have been a programmer, but I don't really think of myself as technical. I say I'm a programmer, not a developer, if you can make that distinction. Anyway, 
I sat down with my dev team and I said, I really want to do well here. How can I contribute to our success? And they said, tell us what's going on in the market. It wasn't tell us how to build stuff. It was such a great first experience because they were in fact developers. They were designers and architects and brilliant. And they said, we need to know what's going on in, in the market. What problems do people have? What markets are you targeting with our product? What challenges are your sales teams running into? And I'm like, oh shoot, I know how to do all this. This it was great. And my boss said, do you want to move to Los Angeles? And I said, no, I don't use drugs or tan well. So I ended up flying out to LA to the dev lab uh, for one week a month. And I realized in retrospect, we were agile all those many years ago. Mm -hmm. We were hybrid all of those years ago. I, I would spend a week with them and I'd, I'd update them on what's going on in the market. They'd update me on what they've been working on. They would give me demos of the, the work they've produced. And we were basically doing four-week sprints. That's so interesting. I'm curious, what did you do? to get those salespeople to sell better when you were first doing this? What was the missing piece? This is going to maybe sound a little bit weird. I think it's helpful for product managers to realize that salespeople don't know the products nearly as well as you do. And as a mental model, and this is where I will offend people, think of them as distributors. Don't think of them as employees. Mm -hmm. And the logic of that is so often... I hear developers say, the sales team doesn't know how to sell this product. Maybe that's because they haven't been given the sales enablement they need, the training they need, but we can't expect them to be as technical as we are. Mm -hmm. And they shouldn't be having technical conversations. They should be having business conversations. What is the impact of this problem in your organization? We can address that situation. And certainly having a sales engineering background uh, skews me that way. Yeah. And I, I think sales engineering may be the most underappreciated role in, in technology. If you have a complex product and a direct sales force, you probably need half as many sales engineers as you have salespeople. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that role, guess what? The salespeople say, I've got to have a technical conversation. I need a technical resource. Let me go grab a, a product manager since I, I don't have or, or can't get a sales engineer. Right, right. But you know, jumping ahead to what I think your next question is going to be, a sales background is very helpful. And yet, one of the things that really bumped me was I was so used to thinking of customers one at a time. Mm -hmm. This one customer wants this one thing. Right. And because I was working with a really bright development group, they're like, Steve, your business is no longer the one. Your business is the many. Tell me about problems that everybody has, not right. just this right. one customer. Yeah, that makes total sense. So obviously you ended up in product management or product marketing management and then eventually product management. As a result of this, what part of what you did when you were helping these teams become better at selling really belonged in product management. And was there a component that was like, oh, sales, they need better sales training. And you were doing that. But what part of it was like, oh, product specific knowledge and stories that you were ensuring they had, which suddenly made them effective? I think it really was the playbook. Because I had walked in their shoes, I knew 
we needed an interview form to help them identify areas of problems that we could solve, right? Right. They, they needed stories about customers who had success using this product to solve their problems. And, and so basically, I just walked mentally through their selling process, or better yet, through the buyer's buying process, and made sure that they had a tool or a worksheet or a, a template of some kind. Mm-hmm. So it was very methodical. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that I've just become all about processes and, and, and systems. Mm. And I, I think a lot of times we bring salespeople together and say, let me train you on how the database works and how the modules communicate with one another. And here's a feature. And instead, I would rather talk about business problems and how we solve business problems. Yeah, totally makes sense. It's similar to what I talk about. I call it the MVPK. That's my version of the playbook. The minimum viable product knowledge that sales needs to sell, right? Right, right, right. And it's not very much about the product itself. It's about the problems, the customer successes, what competitors do and how we we answer those objections, things like that. Absolutely. Sounds very much like what you invented a long time ago when you were doing this. So let's tie it all back together. How does that inform how you think about product management now? Sort of, there's this big discussion out there on the internet that, oh, no one knows what product management is. And everybody's all up in arms about that. So what is what do you think product management is? And can you tie it into that previous experience? Ultimately, product management is about systematically creating product success. And every word in that sentence is important, right? right. And Based on my previous remark, systematic, repeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started from like the wrong end of it. I, I think if you sat down with leadership and said, what's keeping you up at night? They would say three things. How do we sell more of what we've built? Can we build what we've planned? And have we planned the right things? Mm-hmm. And for companies that don't understand the scope of product management, they would say, that's a sales problem. That's a development problem. That's a leadership problem. And I consider all three of those product management problems. Right. I started from the wrong end of that. It's, mm-hmm. Let's see if I can sell more of what we built. But as I worked with sales teams, I found that, gosh, there were a lot of things missing from what we built. So then let's see, are we building the right things? And I, I remember talking to a VP of a well-known financial company last year, and he said, we've spent the last five, six, seven, eight years learning how to uh, use Agile to build the product right. And we're only now realizing we're building the wrong products. It takes us back to the third leg of this. So in my head, there are three legs. It's the strategy of defining what products do we want to offer, which leverage our distinctive competence and give us a differentiation in the market. The second one is working with the dev team to create those things. And this is that phrase I just used is where I think most people go wrong. They they believe their job is to tell development what and how to build. Mm-hmm. And product management is about empowering the, the development team with problems to solve and letting them use their ingenuity and innovation to solve them. Right. And so making sure they're the right things. problems. Yeah. Give them the right problems, get out of their way. And so it's product strategy, product planning, and go to market. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to roughly say, where do you think the biggest breakdown is for product 
given those three strategy, building the thing and go to market, where do you think the biggest area, maybe let's call it of opportunity is for product organizations? The biggest challenge is allowing or driving product managers to do any of the things that I said. Elaborate on that. Because what product managers are doing today is filling the gaps. They are doing project management because we haven't hired enough project managers. They're doing designs because we haven't hired enough UX people. Mm -hmm. uh, they're doing task assignments because I don't know why. We got rid of the engineering lead, and so it's chaos. Mm -hmm. And chaos is the word that I really uh, think represents the reality of product management and of product planning overall is it's chaotic. Right. Different departments have their own internal processes, but whenever that process touches another process, nobody knows how to communicate between these groups. Interesting. One other thing I see, because product managers have often been pulled into more of a development role rather than a business role, I see that product marketing has thrown up their hands and said, somebody's got to do the rest of this. So I'll start doing market research and I'll start doing customer discovery and I'll start doing business planning because nobody else is doing it. So I, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and uh, this guy was talking about the role of product marketing and he mm -hmm. was describing all the things that you and I would call product management. And it's because they've been growing up in organizations where the product managers aren't, in fact, doing product management. And I've been in plenty of organizations where there was no product marketing. So if product management wasn't doing it, then no one was doing it. And that's my story as well. That first title I had was product mm -hmm. manager, reporting to product management, right? right. But I was yeah. actually doing product marketing. So getting back to this other question about, so no one knows what product management is. Obviously, I think you and I are in agreement about what it is. It's these three things, strategy, bu building the right thing, building it right, and guiding it, not doing it ourselves, but guiding that process. And then mm -hmm. making sure that the marketing and sales knows how to position, knows how to sell, et cetera. But right. for the product part, right? We're not telling salespeople how to do sales. We're telling them, right. here's what you say in a particular situation, if somebody asks you about the product or whatever. Right. So and by the way, also not telling marketing how to promote. Right. Uh, one of the equivalencies that's pretty helpful is product marketing is to marketing as product management is to development. Yeah. Product marketing is about the what, yeah. <clears throat> what do we need to communicate and to whom? And marketing is expert in communications. So gotcha. they're the ones that determine how to do that communication. Yeah. We need leads that have these characteristics. You go get them. Or we're encountering friction in the sales process. What should we do about it? I was really annoyed with the salespeople. They were taking my product managers on way too many calls. Sure. And I think it is healthy, certainly, for product managers and certainly product marketing managers to go on the occasional sales call. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, one of my guys was going out like two times a, a week. So he was really mostly a sales engineer. So I sat down with my marketing team and I said, what can we do about this? I was thinking maybe we could do some sales training. And my director said, why don't we, why don't we do some videos? We'll put the CTO in front of a camera. We'll record some video of him talking about the technical choices that were made 
And when that question comes up, the sales guy doesn't have to pretend to be technical. They just go, hey, let's play this video. Right. And I would never have thought that. My answer would have been, let's create a white paper and give a big bundle of them to the sales team to hand out whenever the appropriate question came along. I consider marketing to be a great partner for the execution yeah. and product marketing to be identifying those areas of friction for the buyers and the sellers so that marketing can focus their energies on the things that really move the needle. I love that. Do you care about the fact that nobody can define product management or that there's this all this thing about nobody knows what product management is? Is that just a matter of people aren't paying attention to you and me because we have similar definitions mm -hmm. or is it really true that it's like lots of different things or does it really matter? What part of nobody knows what product management is, what part of that is actually important for everybody's success? Well, I'm not sure that nobody knows what product management is even a true statement, but maybe it's just because I've had such an interesting career. When I went to take that job as that first sales engineer, mm -hmm. I was working with a product manager. She had an MBA, she was doing strategy, she was identifying friction for buyers and users, she was creating product requirements documents and market requirements documents. The role has been around forever. I think what's happened is a lot of people, a lot of hiring managers don't have a product management background, so they don't really know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. We sometimes engage with startups and they're like, my, my investors say I have to have a product manager, whatever that is. And can you help us define this role? And I'm like, yeah, I really can. But I think that there, there are a lot of people, I'd say there are a lot of consultants and pundits who don't know what product man management is either. And so mm -hmm. they're describing it as a development role. Right. Yeah, and, and one more little rant at, I was watching a presentation a few years ago at an agile conference. And one of the speakers was talking about the role of product owner. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, when agile people talk about product owner, they almost always use the phrase role rather than title because it was never actually intended to be a title, but nonetheless, right. yeah. um, he, he said in, in short, uh, the product owner role needs to be available 24-7 for the development team. And somebody raised their hand and said, what is the product owner going to do the rest of product management? And he said, what else is there? And so it was this huge realization on my part that product owner is product management as development sees it. And so if development is defining product management, you'll end up with a requirements writer or a story yeah. writer. Sure. Right. If sales is defining product management, you'll end up with sales engineering. If marketing is defining product management, you'll end up with a copywriter. Yeah. I just need me some words for the website. Yeah. Sales also wants you to take their orders for features. Oh, that's true too. And in my happy land, I try to create products that sell themselves. And here, another rant. A lot of people use a term of scorn about salespeople that really irritates me. They're just order takers. And I absolutely want that. 
I want the product to be so easy to sell that the salespeople are lined up to sell it because it's so easy to sell. You go in and say, hey, do you have this problem? People go, yes, I have that problem. Can you solve it? Yes, we can. The end, right? But I think a lot of times we haven't empowered the sales team with a good product or good sales enablement, or we haven't focus them on the target market that the product was intended for. Mm -hmm. So we built it for a bank and they take it to a manufacturing organization who has an entirely different set of requirements. So then they come back and say, hey, I found this company that wants half of our product and a different half of, a, of another product. Can you just go back in the lab and type a little bit on the keyboard and make that happen? Yeah. And it's a super long sales process that usually fails mm -hmm. and it takes them away from selling to people that actually have the problem we solve. Right. Yeah. So you have said, we had the conversation about this, I'm sure you said it otherwise, that you feel like Agile to some degree has broken product management. Is there more to it than the story you just told? 10 years ago, I started researching the impact of Agile on product management mm -hmm. and actually through just interviews. So I was talking to heads of product and it was split right down the middle. 50% said Agile has completely changed the company for the good. And the other half said it's completely ruined the company. And the pattern I saw was the disaster stories came from companies that renamed the product managers to be product owners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And despite the scrum literature create created a role of product owner that was really what we used to call business analyst mm -hmm. a jira ticket writer uh, which i didn't mean to say to scorn business analysts but getting writing those user stories was the full-time gig right um the successes came from companies that renamed their business analyst to product owner and remained with a product manager who was, again, a business person rather than a secretary to development. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because Agile is just about building the solution. But what are you solving? You exactly. Need product manager to go find that. And then exactly. there's a go going to market, which, of course, product owner has nothing to do with either. Correct. And yeah, so that gets you back to the consultant I was talking about earlier who says, what else... Other than supporting development, what else does a product manager do? And I've I've been associated for years with the pragmatic marketing framework, which is a tremendous way of seeing the scope of what product management can be. Right. And then a few years ago, I worked with a few dozen consultants to define the court's open framework, a scoping document, if you will, an articulation of the scope of product management. And there, there's one other one. There's a very popular... Venn diagram from mm -hmm. uh, Martin Erickson yep. that shows UX, technical, and business. And you're here in the middle. And it seems to me that no one actually read the article, which was excellent. They just looked at the picture and said, oh, product managers need to be technical. They need to be UX designers. And they need to understand what's going on in the business. And right. instead of seeing it as the Venn, they saw it as all three of those combined. And so as a result, if you haven't had 
an engagement with you or me or Saeed Khan or Grant Hunter or product management people, right. you look at that diagram and say, oh, I guess I have to do that. And without a leadership that understands the scope of product management, you find yourself being a gap filler. You find yourself doing whatever nobody else wants to do. Right. Really interesting. I'd never heard of that reading of that Venn diagram before, but I really like that, that they're reading it as you are everything in this picture, as opposed to you're the intersection of this picture. Right. And I think it leaves some things out, but it's certainly much better than saying you're the writer of user stories, which exactly. I think some people think. Exactly. So should product managers be also product owners? Is that maybe there's only one product manager and it's a small company? Can they be the product owner also? Is that, or is that, is even that level of product ownership for the product manager, is that dangerous? Let me say that I don't really think that user stories are the responsibility of a product manager or a product owner. That's how development chose to communicate with development. Okay. Right. And a lot of user stories read as a user, I want this feature because this is the feature I want, damn it. It's ridiculous to me to waste our time reverse engineering a user story from a feature we've decided to build. Right. Yeah. So there are many people who say that product owner, and I'm straddling the fence on this one. Mm -hmm. Many people say that product owner is a development role. Right. And product management is not. And I skew that way. And yet in my own career, I have served the role of product owner in mm -hmm. my product management mm -hmm. career in terms of collaborating with development. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's like the literature is right, but the execution is wrong. So what we end up with is a product owner or a product manager spending their time writing stories and not spending their time researching the market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the authors I read uses the term, the three C's. There's a card, there's mm -hmm. a conversation and there's confirmation. Right. Right. And the least relevant part is the card. And it seems to me the product owners spend most of their time on the cards. Yes. But the card I, is an invitation to a conversation conversation that matters it's like a note to yourself to have a conversation yeah almost right I, I think there's a big hangover as well from the fact that agile was the methodologies in scrum were developed not in a product context but in an it context and Very so good. the product owner actually was one of the users of the thing you were building and the thing you were building was for an internal team and this product owner was the representative of that team right and so they, in some sense, they were the user, they were the mm -hmm. customer. Unfortunately, it was named product owner, which, because it's not a product, it's an IT app. This is my feeling of where some of this confusion has come from. I think and, that's very valid. Uh, and it is clear if you look at a lot of the language in the various agile methods. Totally, uh, yeah. There is a strong orientation to an internal user that it's an IT approach rather than a, a product approach. It's one of the things that if you read a lot of stuff about Agile, it's clear that there's a confusion between teams that build products and teams that build apps, where apps is internal IT apps. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like 
people haven't really separated those out. I'm a giant fan of Agile in the sense of, oh, let's figure out what to build. Let's build the most important thing first. And then we'll reiterate on that. And at the same time, we're going to try to learn from what we did because we're doing it fast. Awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. And it's not to say that Waterfall was necessarily bad. Here's another example, though, of people who saw the diagram and didn't read the article. So Winston Royce wrote about Waterfall back in the, I think, the 60s. And in the article said, you don't actually want to do it this way. But you just want to have cascading, right? It's mm-hmm. like you have problems and then you design solutions to the problems and then you build to the design and then you test what you built and then you get it into the market. Now, don't do it that way, he said, <laughs> right? But nobody read that part. They just right. read the cascading. Yeah, yeah. And the problem with that was not even the artifacts or the process of it. It was that it was an 18-month cycle with learning on each end, but nothing in the middle. Right. And many organizations, I think, have taken that idea and crunched it down to two weeks mm-hmm. and said, we're doing Agile, when in fact, we're doing really fast waterfalls. <laughs> there's a, there's another challenge, and one of the ways I characterize waterfall is that if you're making an 18-month plan, you have to have done very good estimates to know when you're going to be done. Sure. And you really want to put every, you want to figure out what the critical path is. The critical path First of all, the estimates are always bad. We know there's no human way to make a good estimate, not for an 18-month project. You can't even do it when you're building a house, much less inventing a new thing like software. But then the other thing is that the stuff that's on the critical path often isn't the most valuable stuff. So you are efficiently getting to a point where you're late on something that doesn't have the most valuable things in it. That's the failure mode of waterfall. Yeah, Yeah, I I think you're right. I didn't make that up. Dean Leffingwell told me that, and it's in one of his books, and I I tried to internalize it because I think it's mm-hmm. so good. But well, yeah, so he that's brilliant. <laughs> he had a lot of really good insights about about these things. Yeah. We talked about how product managers, okay, we shouldn't be responsible for the user stories. We shouldn't be writing them. I would assume we we're in the conversation, but that raises the question though. So, what is the granularity of the, say, the written? communication with dev in your mind it's not as fine-grained as a user story is it a feature specification which is what i often talk about a prd what's that communication channel what do you think what makes a good communication channel between product management and dev to start the conversation Mm -hmm. and then to potentially capture the decisions made in the conversation i've coined the term problem story okay makes sense forces us to say, what is the problem? Mm -hmm. And frequently it looks like the problem is I don't have this feature I want, right? The problems that we find should inspire our developers to innovate. Right. I have a story that's maybe gotten corrupted over the years. I was doing a meeting with the product managers at LoJack, the GPS device that keeps track of your expensive car. Not that I've ever had either of those things. And they said that they were doing validation interviews or mm-hmm. customer interviews of some kind. And they were talking about stuff about cars. As a joke, one of the customers said, now, I love my Lojack. I love my Lamborghini or whatever car he had. And he said, but now I need a Lojack from my dad. And everybody laughed. Right. And one of the product managers says, wait a minute, say that again. And he's, my dad has Alzheimer's and he's been wandering away. 
And they ended up researching mostly adults whose parents had needed to be monitored, let's right. say. Sure. Yeah. And they sat down with development. Development said, we've got to work through the weekend. Not that I'm arguing for that, but they were inflamed by this problem of, of keeping track of seniors. They created a whole new business line. But it was, they provided this problem story mm -hmm. that is even more than an epic. It, it's a like a whole new product idea. Sure. But it leverage a lot of the stuff they already had expertise as well as code. And I'm not saying any of us are building anything quite emotional, but I think there are emotional stories here. I remember back in the day, we used to have pagers and we'd pass them around. It was like, hey, uh, you're going to do support on Christmas day and I'm going to do support on New Year's day and let's make sure to hand the pager back and forth. And from that scenario, you found out about these customer problems that had never come in through sales or come in through our regular sensing sources. But customer support hears these stories that are like, my, my holiday was a disaster because of this problem that we could potentially solve. And right. I think that's the really exciting part of product management is finding those kinds of stories that are really important in, in their context. And sometimes they're just sitting there waiting to be discovered. I think so as well. They're adjacent to where you already are. Oftentimes they're easy to solve. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just heard this thing from a customer and they want X and I don't know how we're going to do it. And you talk to the developers and say, it just so happens. We all have had the experience where the customer says, I really want to do X. And we say, oh, we already do X. Let right. me show you how, right? That That's how close some of these problems are. I love that story about the low jack, the adult low jack. I could also think mm -hmm. of it for the for babies or little kids. Something like and for that. that matter, I don't know if they're doing that for dogs. What is that pellet they're putting in dogs' necks to yeah. keep back? I, I don't know what technology that is, but it's the same basic idea. It's a little RFID that, so you can identify it. It doesn't track, I don't think. Oh, okay. But you could put tracking in. Now we could. Now we could. Very interesting. That is great. We've talked about product management per se and things that product managers should think about. What about product leaders? What is some things that they can take away from this conversation or start thinking about? I'm thinking people that have a team of five product managers mm -hmm. working for them or 50. How big is the biggest product management team? In It's a few hundred at most. We're, product, we're small potatoes in mm -hmm. terms of numbers. We're a lot of well. impact, but small numbers. Maybe one-tenth of the number of developers. Yeah. And maybe it's even a smaller percentage than that. It's usually about 1% uh, of a company maybe uh, is product management at most. Yeah, that sounds about right. And my answer is, I think a lot of product leaders have not made the shift to managing people and process. Okay. I think what happens is the VP of product management is in fact the product strategist. And then is passing work down to the little people. Mm -hmm. And I challenge product leaders to treat their people as the product. In effect, if I were taking on a new product leadership job, I would be looking for how do we reduce the friction within product management? Do we have processes? Do we have access to the data that we need access to? Do we have clarity of our role? 
do we have alignment of our strategies across our portfolio mm -hmm. and ensuring that your people have the skills that they need to be successful. Right. And I remember interviewing one of my product managers years ago, and I'd never actually done like an annual review before. And I said, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to look at your own resume and write down things you want on your resume next year. And that'll be our development plan for you. And he said that it was such an interesting ex experiment to uh, basically build a requirements document for the product manager I want to be. And then we identified three or four things to do in the new year. And I helped him get there. He wanted to know uh, more about event planning. We did a lot of events at this company. And mm -hmm. so said, fine, I'll make you an apprentice to Patty, who's a brilliant event planner. And you can be her gopher and see how this stuff works. And her first reaction was, wait, are you trying to replace me? And I'm like, Patty, you've been here longer than I have. You're an institution. Don't worry about it. I love that. So it's not just that they need to learn to manage people. I think a lot of product manager leaders maybe didn't get management training, right? That seems pretty common. I never did. I but, went to HR and said, is there any training for this? The only rule I know is don't touch anybody. Are there any other rules that I should know about? <laughs> Not everybody got that memo either, but yeah, sure. I've heard that part of being a manager is being partly responsible for the development of your people mm -hmm. to enable it. Right. One way I think about product management is how product businesses scale. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And product leadership is how product management scales. Does somebody have to have been a product manager to be an effective or good product leader? I want to say no to that, but my experience says yes to that. So do you have a sense of why? Let's turn it around. Wouldn't you want your VP of sales to have some sales experience? I would. I'd actually want them to be a really good salesperson. Yeah. I don't know that they need to be a really good salesperson, although as I look back in my career, all of the VPs of sales that I have worked with have indeed been good salespeople, yeah. but they understand back to people management. They understand mm -hmm. the life. When I was at Pragmatic, right. we had a, a dozen or so instructors traveling around the world and the president was a former instructor and he understood that at the end of the day, you don't have much gas left in the tank to do a lot of customer calls or expense reports or whatever. I don't know that somebody who hasn't been a road warrior understands what it's like to be a road warrior. That said, I've encountered, as you probably would in any role, I've encountered heads of product who don't have a product background that in fact have a knack for it. But I've also encountered those who don't, they don't understand the scope of it and they can't empathize. And so they can't coach their people. Right. So how do you do professional development for some role you don't really understand? Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. This has been a fantastic conversation, Steve. I've really enjoyed it. We're getting to the end of time though. So maybe quick comment on what, if anything, is your current focus? And also how people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more or work with you or whatever. As you can tell, I'm on a mission to remove the chaos from managing products and from product management. I've worked with 
consultants of all kinds and clients of all kinds to help them define what is and is not product management. And I'm passionate about that. Lately, I've been doing a lot more coaching of the coaches. I'm working with product ops teams and product leaders uh, on defining their process. Because one other little rant I'll do is I don't actually believe in best practices. I believe there are a lot of good common practices. What makes them best is when you adapt them to your environment because every company I've encountered is different. And I know it's a joke that everybody says they're unique. You're unique just like everybody else. They are. Their products are different. Their people are different. Their industries are different. And I think you need to be open to the idea that just because you found a template from some website somewhere doesn't make that appropriate for your business until you adapt it to the reality of the personas or the market or whatever. There's lots of information, a lot of free stuff up on my website at productgrowthleaders.com. I also hang out a fair amount at LinkedIn. So you can reach out to me either of those places. Okay, fantastic. And I'll put the links to both of those sites, as well as the Quartz framework and your book. Remind us the name of your book. My book is Turn Ideas into Products. And it's a procedures manual for implementing the Quartz Open Framework. Okay, perfect. So we'll put all those in the show notes, which will be at secretsofpm.com, as you all know. And Steve, this has been fantastic. I'm glad we finally got you on. It's been too long. We've been talking about, we've literally been talking about this for many years. In fact, you were the last person that I saw in person before COVID hit. Before COVID. Remember we were in, where we were in Indiana someplace. Indiana, I want to say. Carmel, Indiana was where we were. At Project to Product or yeah. something like that. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. And I talked to the organizer recently, and and that I think was the last time she's offered that conference, I but she's so. hoping to offer it again soon. Yes, I've seen her some postings from her, so cool. Oh. Julie Brown was her name. Julie. Anyway, as I say, great to have you. Thank you for coming on. Really delightful, as always. Any conversation with Steve is a delight, so if you ever get a chance to talk with Steve, you'll find that out. And... We'll have you on again at some point, I'm sure. Pick a topic, I'll be there. Fantastic. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Steve. Thank you. Wow. I love this conversation with Steve Johnson. He's a great product thinker and his stories are delightful. I'm so happy I finally got him on the podcast. If you want to learn more or follow up with him, I'll have contact information in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 158. And you can share your thoughts on this podcast episode there as well via the comments section, or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed this episode and the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.